Hello, welcome to Restoration. This podcast features Dave James teaching on denial. so good to be here. Most of y'all know that uh, I'm an avid surfer. Uh Uh-oh. That's why I brought this board. (laughs) Um, Most of y'all know that I'm an avid surfer, but being an avid surfer does not necessarily mean being a great surfer. I just wanted to qualify that. Where's Merritt? Is he here? No? Or he's, he's not shy, I know that, so if he were here, he'd, he'd let us know. Merritt is a, is a good friend of mine who surfs, and i got to give him props. The last couple of times we went out, he's probably caught more waves than me. But being an avid surfer is kind of like being an avid golfer. It's, you know, you might, remember, um, you might remember that one great shot, you know? You might rarely break 90. But recovery is kind of like that, too. I'm an avid about recovery, but I'm not perfect at it. That's for sure, you know? But tonight I challenge you to step out. We're going to talk about denial, ditching denial and catching the wave of recovery. And tonight I'm going to challenge you to step off the beach of denial, to grab your board, to hit the water, where we'll learn how to ride the wave of recovery. Now, the trip begins with principle one and step one, where we admit we're powerless to control our tendency to do the wrong things and that our lives have become unmanageable, out of control. They leave us uh, constantly in danger of wiping out over and over again. But before we can hang 10, before we can hit the lip, before we can get tubed, we have to face some facts about our denial. So to get your brain cells firing and alert, I've devised a little short trivia test about surfing. Can we have the first slide? Uh, Okay. On what island is the famous break known as Banzai Pipeline? Does anybody know? Who Who thinks it's A? Who thinks it's B? Who thinks it's C? Y'all are right. It's on Oahu. All right. Well, good job. Okay, what's the on the next slide? Okay, this guy, this guy is awesome. This ageless wonder has won the world championship an amazing 11 times, first starting at age 20 and most recently at age 39. Who thinks it's A, Tom Curran? Who thinks it's B, Sean Thompson from South Africa? Who thinks it's Kelly Slater? Yep. That's right, and Phil Edwards was a famous surfer from Malibu in the 70s and 60s. All right, let's have the next slide. Okay, according to the Billabong XXL, which is the biggest wave in the world competition, the largest wave ever ridden was where? Who thinks it's A, Portugal? Who thinks it's Indonesia? How about South Africa? How about Hawaii? It was Portugal. Yeah. 90 feet by Garrett McNamara on my birthday, October 10th, 2012, which is awesome. Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay, the early documentary by Bruce Brown spurred surfers on to explore the world. This was an early movie. Was it Point Break? Was it A? Who says A? How about B, Forever Young? C, how about Endless Summer? Or D, Step into Liquid? 
It was C, endless summer. <clears throat> okay, all but one of these terms means a pretender or a fake. Is it Ho Daddy, Menahune, Nico Rico, or Gaper? Who, who thinks it's A? Y'all aren't even going to try on this one. I, this, is a, this is a tough one. It's actually Menahune, which means um, it is a term, a Hawaiian term for young surfers. It's for the kids' division. The rest of them mean some form of uh, poser or fake or fraud. And I think we got one more. Okay. Which place below boasts of documenting surf rides of over two and one half miles long? <laughs> who, who says it's A? Who thinks it's Padang Padang? Okay, who thinks it's Tahiti? How about Tahiti? Who thinks it's Galveston Bay? <laughs> who thinks it's Malibu? The answer, believe it or not, is Galveston Bay. Gal Galveston Bay is, is world famous for tanker surfing, and the tankers put off such a large wave that it breaks for up to three to four miles long along spoil reefs inside the bay. And the surfers for years have been figuring out how to get out there with a boat and time those breaks for some of the longest documented rides ever in the world. Okay. Well, well now that I have your brains uh, excited about dealing with facts, let's look at something that's not so trivial. And this is a scripture from Hebrews 12.1. And it says, let us strip off everything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that entangle us and trip us up. And let's run with patience, the particular race that God has set before us. There are two things in this uh, scripture that really stand out to me. First is that God has a, God has a particular, individual, custom-made plan for your life and for my life. He's got a unique plan, and it's not a life or a plan full of addiction or obsession or failure. I kind of like to think of it as God is the ultimate travel agent, and he has a custom-fit endless surf trip destination for my life, you know, and that's, he, he wants to put me in the barrel, the best place for me every time. Now, the second thing that we need uh, that's in this verse that we need to be willing to get rid of all the unnecessary things that keep tripping us up and keep us from a full and abundant life. Now, God has, you know, God's designed this life for all of us, and there are things that, you know, we keep clinging on to that keep us from having that life. Now, in surfing, it's super important to clean your board and get all the old wax off and put a fresh, good coat of wax on. Um, without that, we don't get traction. We slip. We get uh, tangled up. The old wax gets dirty and oily. And um, it's like that with old habits, thoughts and ways of thinking that we've been stuck in. We have to strip it all off and replace it with something new. Now, if we were going to gain traction in our recovery and be able to stand rather than fall over and over again, we have to strip off all those old ideas that we've been clinging to. Now, clinging to those old ideas and thoughts is called denial. Denial is defined as a false system of beliefs that are not based on reality or as a self-protecting behavior that keeps us from honestly facing the truth. Now, as children, we all develop coping skills. And these are the skills that help us uh, to deal with our pain, our fear. Maybe we're not getting the attention we wanted, uh, or maybe there's dysfunction or addiction or um, uh, uh, something in our, in our families that's hard to deal with. Now, for me, I came from a family where there was a lot of alcoholism, and the first time I drank at about 12 years old, 
I thought I had found the magical solution to what was missing in my life. Alcohol became my coping tool. It was my solution for every painful feeling, every unpleasant or awkward challenge that I faced. Well, a short time later, um, mind-altering substances and inappropriate relationships and uh, purity issues paddled out in my lineup to join my, my, my team of coping skills out there in the water. Now, for a time, our coping skills work. They work to shield us from the feelings we didn't want to have. But as years pass, these coping me mechanisms start to confuse and cloud our view of reality and our perception of what is true and what is false. The longer we cling to these immature uh, methods of dealing with a reality, the more unrealistic and distorted our view becomes. We engage in denial when we refuse to admit the damage that we do to ourselves and others when we continue to rely on these behaviors to deal with life's problems and pain rather than a relationship with God. Now, our relationships become strained and broken, and since we're not in touch with reality, nobody really wants to hang with a poser who's, you know, who's, who's can't uh, differentiate uh, truth from reality. So we begin to have problems with uh, relationships. Now, did you ever deny that your family had problems, or did you ever deny that you had a problem? Have you ever compared yourself to others, as in, at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so is, right? For some of us, we've practiced denial for so long that we're actually in delusion, having completely lost touch with reality, and our addictive and compulsive life seems normal to us, and we can't imagine life any other way. Here are some statements that are real common to people in denial. I can quit anytime I want to. Y'all probably heard that one. Can we just stop talking about it? Talking about it only makes it worse. <laughs> One of my favorite ones is, let's pretend this ugly little incident never took place, okay? We hear things like, well, she really doesn't drink that much, or from people who are stuck in codependency and enabling, it might be things like, well, it's not his fault he loses his temper. He's just under so much stress. Or we might hear something like, I have to take all these pills because you and the kids make me so darn angry. You know? Here's one I can identify with. If you weren't so, so freaking crazy and crabby, then I wouldn't have to bail and go on so many expensive surf trips. <laughs> one that a lot of us guys here uh, is, uh, what's the big deal about looking at porn? I'm only admiring human beauty and sensuality. Everybody does it. What's the harm in it? Or how about this one? Maybe I eat too much, but at least I'm not as big as that fat guy at the beach in the Speedo. <laughs> Y'all seen him before, right? The first step in recovery is to face and admit our brokenness and our need for God. We have to step out of the darkness of denial and into the light of God's truth. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 7 says, God is light. In him, there is, now, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have a relationship with God, but we walk in darkness, we lie. We do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all unrighteousness. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have to get honest about our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We just have to. That's the first step. We've got to get honest. Jeremiah 6.14 uh, in the New Living Bible says, we can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. Um, 
the acrostic for tonight for denial is that the D in denial stands for disables our feelings. When we practice our unhealthy coping systems, it numbs unpleasant realities and we use it to fulfill our emptiness and need, but it also numbs us to good feelings and it cuts us off from the joys of life and the good things that, are gonna, that can fulfill our need. Um, it's kind of like um, having a bad case of hypothermia. I've been on some cold weather surf trips before and they warn you, they say, listen, if you start going numb, if you start losing touch of your feelings, of your hands and feet and everything, you know, but you st still want to stay out there in the water, you're already in the danger zone. So, you know, when denial disables our feelings, we're already in the danger zone. Um, the E in denial is for exhaust our energy. It's for energy. The effort and time we have to put into avoiding the truth, the tangle of lies and deception and dishonesty we have to weave and then try to remember all that, try to, you know, where did I say I was last Thursday? Because I can't tell the truth, you know. It's like um, staying stuck in the shore break, just getting pounded and pounded over and over again and never quite able to make it out, you know, past that, uh, past that break into the deeper water. Um, keeping the lid on the secrets of our past and dealing with fear and anxiety of the future just steals our energy. If we put just a fraction of the energy needed to maintain our denial, into learning and applying God's truth and spiritual principles, then we gain incredible energy and strength, and we're able to stroke through that, that, that pounding shore break of, uh, and gain some energy. Um, the N in denial stands for negates our growth. Now, once we rely on these unhealthy coping mechanisms to deal with the challenges, pain, and fear of everyday life, we stop growing spiritually and emotionally. We become stuck at the age we start doing that. Um, we become spiritually and mentally stuck uh, using these behaviors to self-medicate and self-regulate rather than growing healthy relationship with, with God and others. It's like being stuck in the kitty waves in the little protected cove. Down over at Surfside, there's like this area we call the kitty pool because it's right next to the jetty. You know? And it's easy to feel like you can just stay there and, and, that, and get all you need. But if you really want the surfing adventure, well, you've got to go out down the beach a little ways where the waves are a little bit bigger. Um, the I in denial stands for isolates us from God. Now, a great example of trying to keep sin and shame secret and hidden is found in, in the Garden of Eden in Genesis uh, chapter 3. <clears throat> Adam and Eve are trying to hide their sin and their shame from God by putting on fig leaves and hiding in the garden after choosing to sin. Adam further isolates himself from God when he uses blame to bolster his denial. He points the finger in Genesis 3, chapter 12, and he says, that, that woman that you put here, God, that woman, she gave me the fruit. He's not taking any responsibility for his action at all. So as long as we deny, deny taking responsibility, we isolate our souls from God. Uh, the A in denial uh, reminds us that by hiding, our, uh, by hiding in denial, we not only isolate ourselves from God, but we alienate ourselves from everyone else, from our loved ones. Our denial tells us that we're getting away with something that people don't really know, you know. They don't know, you know, how much I'm drinking, or they don't know that I'm doing these behaviors, but they do know. Uh, even, even if they don't know particular details, people around us know something's not right. Uh, we try to protect ourselves and our secrets at all costs. But when we do that, our relationships start to fail because people, in, they inevitably know there's something wrong here. 
Um, listen to what Ephesians 4 verse 25 says. I really like this. It says, stop lying to each other. Tell the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And when we lie to each other, we are only hurting ourselves. Uh, when a surfer goes to a new break, it's always a good idea to get some local knowledge, to get some backup, to know where the peaks are and which way the currents are running, uh, where the reef is, where the sandbars are. When we stay ignorant and we blame and hide and feel ashamed and inadequate instead of asking for help and getting honest, then we tend to drift off alone and we alienate ourselves from everyone around us. Now, the last letter in denial, the L, stands for lengthens the pain. Now, we have this false belief that we are protecting ourselves from pain with our behaviors, with our coping skills, but in reality, denial only lengthens our pain. It allows it to fester and to grow and to turn into deeper delusion and into deeper despair. Denial infects our wounds and extends the hurt. It multiplies our problems. Uh, truth is like surgery. You know, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt to dig in to look at your past. It's going to hurt to open up these old memories. It's going to hurt to talk about and get honest about what we used to cope with. But like surgery, it's healing. It's healing in the long run. It cures us. In surfing, it's often really painful to watch a beginner surfer trying real hard to surf. Man, you're just watching them just get slammed and work. They hit the nose. They flip over the board. And just over and over, just getting pounded, not admitting that they need help and not admitting that they don't know what they're doing. You know, and you think, wow, if that guy just went and took one, one lesson, he would have a shot at really enjoying this sport and learning this process and having a good time. Um, and instead, what we do is we think we can do it on our own over and over again, and we just get beat up over and over. Um, in Pastor Kerry Sun's new book, uh, First Hand, um, Josh Shook writes, the only way to experience true freedom is by making the choice to get gut-level honest with God and others. He continues, here's how I did it. I finally went to God and unloaded the ugly truth about my secret sin, all of it. Even though he already knew every secret, I still had to tell. And then I did something else. I took the risk of sharing my secret struggles with my friend Dave. That wasn't me, by the way. It was another Dave. But I thought that was cool, too. The number one thing that keeps us from facing our denial is fear. Fear of being found out, fear of being rejected, fear of the consequences, fear of what other people will think, uh, fear that we're inadequate, or fear that we won't be loved. Our destructive and addictive cycle serves to overwhelm us with a vast sea of fear. We may feel like that if we let go of that familiar drink, substance, or behavior that we've used to cope for so long, it's like letting go of our life ring, the only thing we cling to, to sur for survival. The fear, uh, we fear the waves of change. What will the future look like if I give up my ways of coping with life? What will it be like in these uncharted waters? Or perhaps we've been so wrapped up in our hurt or habit or hang-up that we feel it's become a part of our identity, and without it, we'll just be lost at sea. Maybe we've been involved in unhealthy, dysfunctional, and enabling relationships for years, and we fear what's going to happen if we start down that pathway of recovery. Will people leave us? Will we end up all alone and rejected? But God's word says this in Hebrews 13, verse 6. It says, the Lord is my helper, and with him I am not afraid of anything mere men can do to me. You know, something really cool is the words, be not afraid or fear not. 
appear in the Bible 365 times. Isn't that cool? One for every day of the year, except for leap year. Leap year, you're going to have a day that you have to kind of deal with it, I guess. I don't know, you know? But 365 times, God's Word tells us, do not fear, fear not, do not be afraid. I think that's really cool. Um, Some of us have stood on the shore paralyzed by fear and afraid to step into the water because of the pain and trauma that we've experienced in our past. But it's only by facing the depths of our past failures and hurts that we recover. It's as if we waded into the shore break the first time and we were tousled and pounded by the waves, so we pulled back in fear, preferring to shy away from the great adventure God has for our lives, and, and we settle for something else. We may even believe that we don't deserve a full and abundant life free of guilt and shame because we've believed the lies of the enemy, the lies that tell us we can never overcome our past failures, that our sins are unforgivable, or that the fear of looking back at the trauma and hurts we've caused others by our behaviors and our choices, we may feel like if we admit our failings, and let others see us the way we really are, they'll never forgive us. Other times we've been wiped out by the actions of a parent, a family member, a spouse, or a friend, and we fear the pain of opening that old wound. We are holding on to maybe bitterness or grudges and resentments and unforgiveness. And then there are times we face the tragedies in our lives. Maybe a hurricane or a tsunami comes into our lives and things just happen. Um, You know, a so-called act of God Uh, like a serious accident or the death of a loved one or a parent or a child or a natural disaster that leaves us homeless. And we may feel the wound and hurt that God has abandoned us. But in every case, the hurt and trauma is real, and it has to be addressed for real recovery to take place. Remember, Christ died once and for all for every sin known to man, every single sin he's died for, your sin, my sin, and the sin of the person that hurt you. So you can't surf until you grab your board, you forge through the inside waves, you get past the short break and into the deeper water. Now, facing the fear and discomfort and getting out of your denial is, yeah, you're going to get some salt water up your nose, and you're probably going to get some sand in your shorts. You know, it's not always going to be comfortable. But with a loving God at your side, you can overcome fear and ride the waves of recovery. Uh, John 4 First uh, John chapter 4, verse 18 says, Where God's love is, there is no fear, because God's perfect love drives out all fear. Surfing an endless wave free of fear, denial, and past regrets is the ultimate experience. Now, I just love the movie Soul Surfer. I don't know. Have, have any of you all seen that movie Soul Surfer? <clears throat> it's an awesome movie. It's a, it's a true story of an uh, up-and-coming young female surf star named Brittany Hamilton who loses her arm and nearly her life in a shark attack. Now, she faces her fear and her pain, and she heads right back into the water, you know, right back to the place where all this hurt and trauma took place, knowing that she can't live the great adventure God calls her to by staying on the beach. We've got a little clip. Just watch. How come no one's in the water? We brought all these boards. Still petrified. Is it safe? Yeah. (laughs) Something's missing, yeah? They said he wandered up a few days after the tsunami. 
What's his name? Um, they don't know. He hasn't said a word. He won't even smile. Hey, do you want to go to the water? Do you want to go out to the ocean and go swimming? No. works in mysterious ways. I say that's an understatement. Who would have thought that teaching a kid to surf would teach me that surfing isn't the most important thing in the world, and that something else is? Love, bigger than any tidal wave, more powerful than any fear. I get emotional every time I see that clip. You know, I think it's really cool. It's so powerful because it's true. Not just because it's true that it really happened, but it's true because it contains spiritual and biblical truths. God's love really is bigger than any fear. Um, perfect love does cast out all fear, and it's stronger than any tsunami. Um, you notice how the little boy, who we can presume probably lost his parents and entire family in the tsunami... Uh, and is so traumatized and full of fear of the ocean, he immediately touches her wound. He reaches over and he touches her arm. And she's not afraid and trying to cover up her wound. She shows her wound openly to him. And um, it's through um, her real-life example, not an instruction book, but through her real-life example of getting in the water, that place that represents all the loss and trauma and fear in his life and hers, 
and then she gently takes his hand once he's willing to engage the process and get into the water. And then once he catches a wave, it just restores his joy, his innocence, and mostly his smile. And with this one little act of courage and love, not only is the little boy transformed, the entire community has changed and experiences a sense of restoration. Well, you can find that here in this room. You know, people who will share their wounds, their hurts, and their hang-ups and their habits with you. Uh, people who will show, you, show up and will show you by example of their transformed life. They won't hide their mistakes from you. They'll show you how they overcame fear and denial. People who will reach out and take your hand and will show you the path that leads out of the darkness of denial and into the light and truth of Christ's love and forgiveness. The question is, will you take the first step? Will you admit your brokenness and your need for God? Will you step out of denial? The choice is yours. You can stay on the beach and be a kook. Or you can strip off the old wax, get your board ready, and join us on this wave of recovery. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for this ministry and for this opportunity, Lord. I thank you so much for your love and the redeeming power of your Son. Lord, I just pray that you help every one of us to not be afraid of the truth, to not be afraid of our past, to not be afraid of exposing everything that blocks us from you to the light, Lord. I just pray that you just give us all the Spirit, your Holy Spirit inside to have the courage to move forward, to say, yes, Lord, I'm broken and I need you. My coping skills don't work. I'm a mess and I need to move forward. Lord, help us to strip off the mask we wear and to get gut level honest with you and with a friend. In Jesus' name, amen.